This is a Pound the Rock podcast show. While the Uncle Nearest team is in quarantine, we have been producing regular broadcasts on our Instagram, on our Facebook, and in live Zoom webinars. We have decided to take those shows and bring them here to you on the podcast channel. We hope you enjoy. Um, welcome, everybody. So, welcome to Thursday night's cocktail club. Yay! <laughs> so, we have two formats tonight. Um, I had um, originally written this down in my notes as the great Mar- espresso martini debate because I think that's going to be an overarching conversation. Um, our cocktail guest tonight is Jeremy Provost from the lovely island of Martha's Vineyard. Hey, Yay. Jeremy. Um, and then we're also going to shift over and do bar tool basics with Gideon from our very own team out in San Francisco. Yeah. Hey. So, um, tonight we have with us the whole team. So the usual suspects, we have Gideon, um, we have Ian, um, from Chicago. Hey, Ian. Hey. Hi. Uh, we have Xander from San Diego. Cheers. And Chastity also from Chicago. Hi guys. And then for everybody who's watching, Gideon has two cameras tonight. So we have like a two camera <laughs> format happening with that, which is fun. I know. I've never done that yet. Camera one. Um, <laughs> oh, pretty fancy. I like it. <laughs> Yay. So and Jeremy, welcome. So Jeremy is our special guest. He is a bartender, beverage event coordinator, consultant, and certainly to me, as well as I think the world at large, the unofficial Martha's Vineyard ambassador. <laughs> Welcome. Especially the industry. Like yeah, especially industry. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so Jeremy's going to demo for us a cocktail that is like a riff on the espresso martini. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the history as well as life in the islands and get a chance to chat with Jeremy. Um, so I guess we can just get started, Jeremy. You want to go for it? Just start with your cocktail sure. and we'll take a combo from there. Cool. Yeah. 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 Um, like Kitty said, I'm going to do uh, Uncle Nearest riff on an espresso martini. Um, I am going to start by icing my glass here. Cold liquid, cold glass every time. I'm going to start with three quarters of an ounce of Demerara syrup. Um, I went back and forth with the sweetener, three quarters, half, quarter. You can adjust it to your liking. I like a nice, sweet, drinkable espresso martini, so I went with three quarters of an ounce. Uh, three quarters of an ounce of a coffee liqueur. I went with the St. George's Nola coffee liqueur. And a full ounce of espresso coffee. And an ounce and a half of Uncle Nero's Small Batch 1884. Excellent branding. <laughs> 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 Beautiful shake, shaky, shaky. No, you're good. Yeah, people love that sound. I love that sound. I miss that sound too. I will say the idea of shaking a cocktail on camera gives me such heartburn. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) You look good. You look good. You look good. Uh, um, With this cocktail and espresso martinis in general, I like to double strain them. I feel like it helps the head or the foam on the cocktail set up a little better. Yep. And we're going to save that ice because we are in a pandemic here. Um, Gideon will talk about bar tools, but the strainer I'm using, it's called a Kilpatrick strainer. just came out in the last couple months. It functions the same as a regular strainer and a mesh strainer. Ooh la la. What is that called again? It's called a Kilpatrick strainer. Okay. Uh, Ooh, who's that named after? Uh, Ted Kilpatrick, Kilpatrick. Uh, one of our Boston brethren, and you can, their Instagram is at poor man's kitchen, I believe. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I follow them. Ted's the best, yeah. I'll go he did a stint in that. New York, too, so he had his, he his little friends and family there as well. Oh, that's gorgeous. Ooh, so Look That head, yes. <laughs> and I do a couple things that may be a little different. Um, I express an orange peel over the top. Um, I was taught and really find that it helps with aromatics. Mm-hmm. It really helps to open up the nose and the flavor of the cocktail when you're drinking it. And then I end with a little bit of espresso bread. Ooh. Very nice. 
Now, I should have set up like Gideon so you can see the top of this because it doesn't look very pretty from here, but there you go. Cheers. Maybe you can snap a picture and we can post it. Awesome. Right. Thank you so Love much. Love it. And I just posted the website for Poor Man's Kitchen um, in the group as well. Yeah, these I want to talk about uh -huh. that. Yeah. Um, when we get to bar tools. But so, um, uh, Jeremy, I wanted to just share a little bit about the um, espresso martini, and then I wanted to like maybe loop back and hear where your thoughts were about like how you came up with the drink, I guess. Um, cool. I have some dispatches from Matt over in London too, which is really special because this drink was actually created in London. Um, so it's a drink that's not from, it's more from the dark ages than from any sort of golden age of cocktail. Um, and so from my reading and research, it was invented by a guy named Dick, Dick Bradsall, um, who was very, very famous and well-known. And um, for, in terms of provenance, I'm not sure how important that is to you guys for cocktails, but I think it's very interesting. Um, so 1983 is the year that I found, um, and allegedly he was known for revitalizing the London cocktail scene. Um, and according to lore, a young model asked him for something to wake me up, then fuck me up. Um, and she allegedly is now world famous, so we'll never, I don't know, but Brad Sell was a very, um, he was a very respectful gentleman, respectful of her identity. Uh, so he never revealed the ingenue's name. Um, so he first called it the vodka espresso, and it was later referred to as the pharmaceutical stimulant, which I think is a really great name. Um, and then I know for me, I learned about it when I was first working in bars um, in like the early, like late 90s. Um, and certainly if you ever like revisit shows like Sex in the City or whatever, like there's a lot of like espresso martini drinking happening there. Um, but the drink then was two ounces of vodka. Well, the recipe I have is two ounces of vodka, one ounce of espresso, and half an ounce of coffee liqueur and a quarter ounce of simple syrup. Um, yeah, combined, that's what I thought. yeah, yeah, and I think it's from Differ's Guide. I'm not sure, um, but um, combine, shake um, until chilled and foamy. Strain into a chilled glass and then garnish with three coffee beans. So, <laughs> I don't know if people are still doing never that. Never one, never two, always three. A little baby kitty we had to, yeah, a sambuca as well. <laughs> um, so. Uh, we also have some notes from Matt. So Matt is one of our brethren in um, London, and he's not going to join us tonight because it's like one o'clock in the morning there. Um, but he had a lot to say about this cocktail, and I was super excited about that because he's actually from London. Um, so he said that when he first moved there, he was actually still an actor. I don't know if you guys knew he was an actor. Mm -hmm. I didn't. Um, but he was transitioning into the drinks trade, and um, interestingly, um, the, he visited the bar where Dick Bradsell, this famous bar, barman, worked on many occasions. Um, and uh, as, uh, he called him his, he said, I drunkenly called him my caffeinated god. Um, and this bar and people's reactions to him as a barman made him think seriously about this as a career, which I think is super cute. Um, yeah, so I can share more of his thoughts as we talk about the drink itself. Um, but Jeremy, how did you, um, you know, I reached out to you about coming on because I knew you were doing some home bar stuff. Um, how did you come up with this recipe? Yeah, um, I was looking at the last couple Thursday cocktail clubs you guys did. It was a whiskey sour and old fashioned and kind of wanted to think outside the box. Um, I found a version of this that was with bourbon and I was like, why can't we use Tennessee whiskey? And I was going back and forth between the 1856 and the 1884, and I felt like the lower proof um, was, was a little bit better in this. And I, I tried it just because I wanted to see how it tasted, and it tasted so good, I wanted to make it. I love that. And for the uh, listeners at home, Tennessee whiskey is bourbon plus just one extra step extra of filtration. Step. <laughs> so it is, in fact, bourbon. It's a premium bourbon. That's right. Fabulous. Um, well, I'm so happy that you shared this drink tonight because uh, another thing that I was thinking about earlier um, is that I feel like when I was introduced to the espresso martini, it was in a period where a lot of cocktails, like, so we'd moved into like martini era, like when you could go everywhere and get a, like a teeny, like there's like a teeny list, you know, like martini. You guys know what I'm talking oh. about. They still exist. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. I hate the teeny menu. Everything's not a teeny. 
<laughs> Taylor, when you come to Chicago, yeah. we're going to the Kit Kat Club, where uh, it's nothing but drag queens no. serving martinis. And oh, that. I mean, okay, that's different, because that's like a, that's like a shtick. That's different. Yeah. I feel like in the shores of Boston, North Shore, South Shore, which is a whole thing, Boston's the city, and then there's north of it and south of it. These are two rival things. You're either from the North Shore or the South Shore. South Shore. And you're not from both, and they can't exist, and don't cross but over. everybody's JFK. But everybody <laughs> is still drinking. Okay, everybody. Certain places, and I just bartended there two years ago, went back home after a while, are still drinking martinis from the 90s. And I'm They're like, come on, yeah. people. Mm, every now and then it's okay. Yes. I mean, I don't, you know, whatever, any point in the storm. But the thing, the thing that's interesting about the espresso martini to me is that it was definitely of an era of where people were trying, they didn't really know, like certainly fresh juice wasn't as prevalent. Um, and I don't think people understood the idea of using a base spirit and then accentuating it with you know, this sort of pre-prohibition idea of like, here's my great base spirit, let's accentuate it. So I really enjoy that like your recipe seems like it's using this strong backbone of the Uncle Nearest versus with vodka, you might be trying to cover it up or trying to add stuff to it to make it interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely didn't want it to get lost. I like it a little sweeter, you know, the, the whiskey flavor may come out a little more with a little less sweetener, but I also mm -hmm. wanted something that was nice and easy to drink and um, I posted on my Instagram, I, I called it the Good Morning Shelbyville. Oh, oh nice. Little, uh, wake I love me that. Up. Okay, all right. So, um, Matt, well, I guess we can get into the cocktail a little bit as well in a minute, but I did want to ask you a few questions about Martha. Can you tell us a little bit about Martha's Vineyard and sure, what it's like yeah. where you're from? <laughs> yeah, for, for anyone that doesn't know, Martha's Vineyard is a small island off the coast of Massachusetts, off the coast of Cape Cod. So there's Martha's Vineyard and then a totally different island, not to be confused, is Nantucket, um, if anyone's familiar with that. Um, we have a really large burgeoning uh, summer population every year. The whole economy of the island is really dependent on the summer, the summer visitors that we have. The presidents have stayed here in the past. It's a big vacation destination, whether you're from Boston, North Shore, or South Shore. New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Jersey, you know, a lot of people come here and, and spend a lot of time here in the summer. It's a huge deal. So, and I was, I was curious, like, about, um, has anybody else on the cocktail panel ever worked somewhere, like, seasonal? Because um, I know seasonal is, like, a, it's, it's, it's a, it was so interesting oh, to me when I first started going out. It's, I've never done it, actually, but um, I know people who, you know, you make $40,000 in a summer or whatever. I don't even know if that's the right number, but, like, you'll go and it's, yeah, I don't yeah know. it's your I whole year income. Yeah, yeah, it's your whole income, but you work seven days a week and and every night Saturday night. Put basically. up with yeah, you put up with madness. Yeah. And then yeah, Uncle Nir, yeah, sorry. I was just gonna say it's for me. I'm just used to it. I, I grew up here, left for college, traveled a little bit, um, but I'm used to it being really slow and quiet in the winter, and then you know being ten, twenty times the population in the summer and working like a crazy person. So it's just Dang. what I'm yeah. used to. <laughs> I remember when I met you. So I met Jeremy through Instagram, weirdly, but it was because you knew Fawn. Like, did you start t messaging yeah. me because you saw yeah. Claire? So, yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, I had met Fawn um, through a buddy of mine. So, so this isn't my house. And behind me, you'll see this uh, extensive whiskey cellar Ooh, here. Um, shout out to my, my buddy Calvin Butts in New Jersey. Hi, Calvin. Uh, um, so <laughs> I met Fawn at a fundraiser on the vineyard here. Two years ago, Calvin um, invited me to go to this uh, fundraiser at a golf club here that was a whiskey tasting for the African American Museum of Philadelphia, I believe, that featured Uncle Nearest. And Vaughn was one of the speakers. I didn't know anything about the brand, really. I'd heard of it. I'd heard the, you know, the rumors, the story of, of the, you know, Nearest Green, and met Vaughn there and really fell in love with the brand from there. and and reached out to Kitty when I saw that she was the new Boston uh, brand ambassador and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> I know and it's so funny because it's just so Boston but it's also so the vineyard like we met like you knew all we knew all the same people and then um, Jeremy yeah. ended up working some events for us in the summer and uh, just a testimony a testimony to like your I remember being like, there's no way he's going to want to do this. And you're like, well, I'm working a wedding, but I'll come work after it. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> that, that, that's kind of what I do. 
But um, also, so Jay Madison actually summers on the vineyard for part of the time too. So our shout out oh, to Jay yeah. Madison, one of our uncle nearest colleagues. So I think he'll be out as well because he does his college as like a big alumni thing every summer there. Yeah, yeah. More house in the vineyard. More I think. house. Yeah. More house alumni. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah so wine fest a couple times, and that's insanity. Yeah, wine yeah. fest is yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 big event now is Taste of the Vineyard. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Usually Taste in June, but it's like a huge like food and beverage thing. They don't do any spirits, unfortunately, but beer, wine, food vendors from the island, and it's easily like twelve hundred people that's um, for one Thursday night in June. It's a it's a lot of fun. That's so fun. So if you were to, um, for anybody who's listening, um, are there, so are you, so I have to say, Jeremy helped me so much because we, we did a few, we had to execute a few events out there and um, I had just started and Harper was like, all you have to do is drop product. And I was like, I don't think they understand. <laughs> <laughs> I used no, to get on a boat. <laughs> yeah. And my car won't get on the ferry because I didn't reserve it last February. So I'm going to have to like, <laughs> yeah. you know, carry. Yeah, 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 you gotta book your boat tickets early. Yeah, so book your boat, book your And you hotel. can't just drive, you can't just drive there, it'll take you, you have to leave at like five in the morning. Yeah. We had a house in Dennis my whole, yeah. most of my life, and we would, awesome. I remember the, you leave at five in the morning because you'll be in traffic for about eh, five hours, you know, mm -hmm. but you're just used to it, and you just yeah. roll with it, and yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing. Good old yeah, Boston definitely. traffic, 93. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you get plenty of Cape traffic coming down here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love it. Um, oh, any advice for anybody who's, well, do you have anybody who you think might be joining us? Because I know that you have a nice big following. Any yeah, yeah, so I met my buddy Calvin Butts in New Jersey. Calvin! What's up, Calvin? I'm taking good Calvin. care of your bar down here. Uh, <laughs> got some people online. Um, Want to shout out a couple of the spots I worked at last summer, uh, the Cardboard Box and Oyster Bar 02557. Uh, they were nice enough to donate some quality ice for me for tonight. Oh, uh, nice. Ice in the pandemic is, is a hard thing to come by. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just want people to know that the vineyard is still here. Um, mm -hmm. As soon as everything is opened up and we're able to go where we want with who we want again, uh, come down to the vineyard. That's um, awesome. And it hit me up. Like Kitty knows, I'm, I'm willing to help anyone that wants to come and, and spend their time down here. Yeah, that's so great. And then well, I think is we it... need a vineyard party. That, we do. Let's get a boat because I, I love being on the water. Let's get a hey, boat. Fun. Let's get a yeah. boat. Let's do it. We'll get everyone down. We'll get everyone down. Everyone <laughs> goes down. And I'll talk to Calvin about his house. I'm sure he'd love to have everyone. Oh my God. You we also have my old house as a, as a legit bed and breakfast now at Scargo Manor. Oh my so God. So I'll see if I can get us the hookup. Oh, nice. I, I can show you where I graffitied in that house and places. You know, even though it's been renovated, nobody knows. Until hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scargo Tower? Is that where Scargo that is? Manor. Right on okay. Scargo Lake. So... I forgot oh, yeah. the heck the road, you know, you pass it go, going to the vineyard. Um, it's amazing. It's on the right hand side, big white house. It looks like, like an Amityville house on crack. Oh, I love it. <laughs> There's a lot of those around here. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really cool. Aww, Let's do an Uncle Nearest haunted tour. We all yeah. Haunted, haunted tour. Haunted places like in our respective market. <laughs> oh my God. So Jeremy, one more question about the vineyard. So if we were to, do you want to shout out any, so I know that there's some bars that come back every single year, but I think one of the most exciting things about um, those vacation, like Nantucket and the, the vineyard are that like, you know, there's always new talent and new places opening up. Is there anything that we should keep an eye out for there or that anybody who's listening who might check this yeah, out? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I've got my favorite spots, you know, like I said, Cardboard Box, uh, Oyster Bar, um, you know, uh, Pandemic Willing, they'll be back. Um, it's a great restaurant in Oak Bluffs, uh, Sweet Life, Hal and Aaron over there, great um, cocktails, Oyster Bar, in Town. there's a place called Covington. Um, I know they've got a really good cocktail program over there. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, anywhere you go here, because the season is so limited, you know, they go all out, you know. That's awesome. I met some women from Etoile last summer, right before they closed for the season. So we'll have to find them this year. Yeah, yeah. The Etoile crew is great over there. Etoile, <laughs> yes. Awesome. So, okay. So do you guys want to chat a little bit about the espresso martini some more? So I have um, what I found to be a very polarizing question. Um, and I don't know, 
if this is just a Boston thing or like what's the story, but um, they are, when I was coming up, one of the, the formative restaurants for me where I worked with Jamie, Sailor knows Jamie, Jamie Bissonette, um, we made the drink sometimes with Bailey's as well. Um, and I know people who are diehard all about Bailey's in the espresso martini. So I wanted to kind of put it out to the panel, espresso martini, Bailey's or no Bailey's? No Bailey's. No Bailey's. No Bailey's. Irish um, coffee, but no, no Bailey's. Oh no, that's not for Irish. But um, I feel like I, I like both, and it just depends on the time of day and the mood yeah. and the season as well. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think like I, in warmer weather, I want without Bailey's. All <laughs> yeah, yeah. that cream. I prefer, I prefer no Bailey's, but I, I don't shame anyone that likes to have Bailey's, and especially if I'm on this side of the bar and they're paying guests. They can have sure. it however they want. Totally. <laughs> um, I don't, I I don't oh, really think that the espresso martini is really a martini. I think the espresso martini is the espresso martini, kind of like last week, last time we talked about the Wisconsin old fashioned. Is it really no, an old fashioned? Like, and it kind of like, I, I do kind of, I do think it kind of fits its, in, in an old fashioned realm, kind of like the espresso martini, but it's a drink unto itself. So, I make mine with gin and lemon syrup, you know. Gin? Wait, what? Yeah, hell yeah, I make it with gin. Oh. Mm-hmm. Gin and lemon syrup, and it's super nice. We, um, we have to post this. We have to post. Can you post that on your Instagram? Yeah. Oh, will you? Yeah, can you post that on your Instagram? And then actually, um, before I forget, I want to throw, uh, rem uh, remind everybody, Jeremy is at MV Bartender. Um, yes. Can we Venmo you if anybody who's listening or watching wants to send some tips your way? Sure, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, the Venmo is the same at MV Bartender. At MV Bartender. Okay, cool. And then Ian, you're going to post at the Whiskey Ian your insane insanity gin. <laughs> espresso gin, martini. Recipe. Espresso martini. It's not that crazy when you think about it, as long as you get the right ingredients. You can't okay. use a Demerara like okay. you did today because it really doesn't, it, it just kind of overpowers the juniper. Anyways, and you have to use the right gin. You can't use like a Navy Strength Juniper Wood Bomb. You have to use something a little softer. But it, it does I, work really well. And because like what? the and tell the viewers like what type of gin? Um, I really like. So there's a gin that I use a lot here in Chicago. It's called Concullen Gin. Uh, out of Ireland. Ooh, That's nice really Irish really gin. great. The Glendalock gins uh, tend to work really really well. Yeah. Hey. Um, Shout out. Uh, trying to think of other gins that I use. Uh, uh, Hendrix is okay. It's a little too. It's a little too cucumbery and a little too floral, but the the Hendrix Rose does work better because it is so floral. Ooh, so if you kind of yeah. So you don't want to use that vegetative quality. You want that like floral, citrusy quality in a gin. Okay. But you would never put the Bailey's with the gin base. No, oh. I'm not a monster. <laughs> <laughs> And then is your espresso liqueur? Um, what is yours? I think some of use... it comes from what the classic, like Alexander, is at the bar I worked at, we never did an espresso martini. You got to give an espresso. Yeah. So yeah. what we do is ristretto Alexander, or we use ristretto, brown cacao, and cream, and that's it. Mm. And then that's good. the original Alexander is brown cacao, cream, and gin. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this chocolatey kind of coffee-esque thing. So that's what I was ready to make. Okay, you're really me back in. I got yeah. that. Well, let Thank me you, say Xander. for the people for the people that can't um, for the uh, people that can't have cream, I made an uh -huh. espresso martini today with oat milk. Ooh, I do. Yeah. If I, if I'm gonna do any cream, I I use oat milk every time. But so this is the other polarizing question. There are many with this cocktail. Real espresso or an espresso liqueur? Both. Both. Oh, interesting. I can can I yeah. read some dispatches from London? So Matt does not I'll just weigh in with Matt's opinion. So he thought when Dick Bradsell was testing out the recipe that he'd used both Tia Maria and Kahlua, and that he'd done a lot of experimentation to figure out the right espresso liqueur, although that was not published in the recipe that I shared with y'all. Um, and he, what he disliked about it was that when the drink was created in the 80s, coffee culture was terrible. Um, the drink masks the bad coffee culture. Um, he also thinks it can be used to cover bad vodka and bad coffee, which mm. is not wrong. His <laughs> point is that not everyone has espresso at hand, especially in the UK. That said, he's apparently a massive coffee snob. So, <laughs> yes, he is. If you wait till you see his video that he just did. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. So he says he does not use any liqueur in his version at the moment. 
um, because he has an excellent espresso machine. He also commented that if you do not use espresso, the coffee lacks the proteins to form that foamy head on the drink. Um, and either way, an easy way around that is using a foaming agent, which I'm, I'm not sure we can talk about what that would be. Um, or he says mix Guinness into your coffee mix, which I appreciate that. Ooh. He suggests yeah. reverse dry shaking, which is a fantastic, you know, we can talk about that as well. Um, but then the point I wanted to get to was that this taught, you know, the team at the bar where he was really working on this drink was um, what they learned was that the bigger the frothy head, the more micro bubbles in the drink. So the sweeter the drink will taste due to aeration and the effect that has on the tongue. So the less actual sugar you need. So um, in his experience, there are a lot of espresso martinis that end up being excessively sweet because bartenders who are straw tasting cannot, cannot really taste all of that aeration in the tin through the straw. So I thought that was interesting because it's, you know, it means you know, the straw taste is a great way to quality control, but he was pointing out you can't. So those are things for our real, real, real technical bartenders. Those are things to think about. I don't know if you guys have thought about that at all in your bartending. <laughs> With this that. drink. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then he goes, is, is Bailey's going in the drink? <laughs> yeah, see? So I was taught to make an espresso <laughs> martini in an Italian restaurant, a very fine mm. establishment, a million years ago, and we did not use any Baileys or any of that garbage. We used actual espresso, and we used an Amaro, and Ooh, that was it. That. And that also was your sweetening agent also, so that, that was, it was very simple, but I hated this cocktail and I have this mm -hmm. hatred for it because when you're slammed and you yes. have to make so oh my god and the worst mm -hmm. thing was that it was oh. over at the server station it's always behind my bar and I was like what no. the so I oh. would and you don't really want to make people be, the servers would be like well just make a little picture of it beforehand I'm like do you know what that Ew. tastes like shut up oh my god so yeah. I would yeah, make like four of them chill it for so me a little bit oh it was every <laughs> time people want an espresso martini i'd be like punching the air behind the yeah. bar right yeah like, I'd be like you know like, damn it and you don't and, and that makes you not want to take time and be careful with it and make it beautifully which of course you still would but it was it's such a challenging cocktail it's, a, it's, a it's one of those drinks also and when you're making it Everyone in the dining room sees it and wants it. Every uh -huh. time. <laughs> every What's time. That? I want one. Every <laughs> time. Yeah. So put a, put a man in that person. Period over. Oh, like yeah, exactly. all of a sudden. You can't see it. It's not there. <laughs> oh, the, and the, the espresso beans. And then I was taught to crack the espresso beans. Never put actual oh whole espresso beans on oh. top. You want to crack them because you're not going to get aroma. the aroma yeah. if you don't crack them. You can also, you know, I don't want to say like you're going to choke on espresso bean, but some people just don't. But I don't like, know. Yeah. It's cracked and you so could. You can, <laughs> you can sip the whole, you know, you're supposed to get like a sip of everything in every sip, that whole thing. So that's how I was taught to make them. So I would never put a creamy liqueur in mine. You wouldn't put a cool so swan. I, I'm going to make mine on the side right now with my cool <laughs> swan. Excuse me for one second. <laughs> I didn't have any espresso liqueur, so I had to wing it. Um, so I, I also didn't have a, um, I didn't have espresso, so I used some uh, Phil's coffee. Ooh. I don't know if you guys have that over there, but it's uh, stuff drives me crazy. And we just got it in Chicago, and I am so grateful. Bro, get the, <laughs> the mint mojitos. It's those so good. Up. You have those? I have. So I actually, Gideon, I, I spent uh, a year in San Francisco, and I lived near the stadium, and I would go to oh, that Phil's Coffee. You know all that was, about that. Oh, yeah. It was, that was my go-to. It it's so good. Nice. San Francisco cocktail culture is. Should we turn it over to Gideon and start talking about bar tools and how you built your drink, et cetera, et cetera? This is the end of the argument on the espresso martini. I'm so I'm, oh, I'm proud oh, we of keep us. Talking. Oh, we I, are, just, <laughs> I was I like, think this is maybe great. it's more inflammatory <laughs> on the internet. I don't know. I got so many so many comments on the question mark that I put. So we can keep we can keep fanning the flames. No, Let's I'm make just, a grasshopper instead. I'm okay. Let's see what happens. <laughs> what were some of the comments that you got when you? I was just curious I, to know. Hard pass, like definite, like big fat nose, you know, no Baileys. Um, my one friend said, Baileys, of course, what kind of a sociopath are you? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, well, color me game because I don't like that at all. 
So I have to say it was mostly a polarizing question. Like there were very few people that fell down the middle. Usually people had a gut reaction, yes or no. And then some would be like, oh, I think the gut reaction usually, and then some would be like, oh, but you know, either way is like totally fine. So the restaurant that I worked, one of the restaurants I worked at called the one with Bailey's, a cappuccino martini. But I have to say to your point, like when I was a little baby waitress, if you ordered and did not ask and then came with a drink that was like wrong, um, and this was in the South End in the early 2000s, like very... <laughs> it's the Italian town. You know, no, it was at the South End. So this was like the, you know, prepare to get bitched at by oh, like God, a yeah. hungover Southeast. queen, you know, like just totally like about to tell you <laughs> if you made their drink wrong, which is totally fine. You know, I get it. But that was like a, um, that was the whole thing. So yeah. So I like the idea of a cappuccino Bailey's. martini. Like I, I, I like, like that a, like a, denomination. Like a drink. Yeah. 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 I'll make that. That sounds great. Maybe that would oh. fix the issue is just to, to name it. I mean, that's the thing. Like an ex espresso martini is an umbrella really. And I think yeah, we've just proved that. Funny. So, you know, really to start properly naming some of these cocktails and everyone getting on board with my, might help. <laughs> yeah, it's also just funny to think about having to specify about this drink. You know, it's one thing to specify about like a whiskey sour, like do you want egg or no egg or like old fashioned? Do you want like... Yeah, but we proved the whiskey sour also has rocks or no rocks. Yeah. Some yeah. people are insane and... <laughs> 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 <See>? <laughs> There's a difference between right and wrong. It's fine. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I want to make a cortado martini now. Sounds pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. No sugar, a little bit of milk. That'd be really good. I also cream drinks. So sweet. Drink. I know cream drinks. <laughs> Let's make flips now. Next week we're gonna. <laughs> Let's not make Wait, Russians also. Like oh God! <laughs> come on. What's happening? <laughs> I'm getting PT. I have PTSD. I'm getting like flashbacks <laughs> from bartending in the 80s and 90s. I love the white Russian, or a as I prefer to call it. Oh, there was a bar out in Worcester that I would go to almost every week for an event I used to photograph. What's that? Russian. It came Ooh. in a pint glass. What? Yes, <laughs> that's called living. But if it's that's in a called, pint glass, yeah. what are they serving you exactly? Because if they're serving oh, you a double, cream and tea, I was gonna say, okay, <laughs> no, it's, it's double the alcohol, if not triple the alcohol. They didn't care. It's Worcester. <laughs> it's Worcester, Cad. Nobody cares, Cad. It's Worcester, Cad. <laughs> Talk about sociopaths, boy. <laughs> cream drum, my favorite. Uh, Oof. Gideon, I, I see you have like a mixing glass and a. Um, a bar spoon there. What happened with that? Was that tasting? Were you stirring your espresso martini? What happened? Well, his martini's <laughs> in the corner over there. What if I stirred it? What would you think of me? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, it's wrong. a great question for anybody who's listening because the rule of thumb is um, straight spirits. Well, it's not straight spirits because it has espresso in it, um, but that's not citrus either. So I would take a beating if I ever got caught stirring an espresso martini. <laughs> <laughs> what would even happen? <laughs> No, I didn't separate? have any um, espresso li uh, coffee liqueur, so I took a, made a double simple really quick after Jeremy sent over the recipe, and I um, took my Phil's coffee in a French press, and then I added it to my warm double simple, and then I added a little bit of scotch to give it some smokiness, uh, and that gave me a nice, thick, rich, coffee-flavored um, kind of, you know, liqueur, and I used that instead. Got to improvise. It's pandemic. <laughs> that sounds good, Gideon. How'd it turn out? Um, it turned out really, really well. Um, I'm enjoying it. It got, has a nice frothy head. Uh, I did the I did the expression of the orange and tossed it like you said, and I even garnished with a few uh, a few coffee beans. I will say that I went a little bit heavy on the sugar on this one, or maybe yeah. it's uh, Posh Matt's extra aeration that I did when I was shaking, so I'm tasting more of a yeah, that's interesting. Very posh explanation, yeah. isn't it? It was a very, very posh British. explanation. <laughs> very British. Very British. <laughs> talk about some bar tools? Absolutely, yes, please. So I gotta mm -hmm. admit, I'm not, a, uh, I'm not a, a huge antique collector of things because I try and keep everything as, I guess, minimal as possible. Um, try and stay nimble, but I am a very big fan of things that work. Uh, and so, 
really quick to our producer. Can all of our folks see the overheaded camera? Yep. So they can see you. Do you want me to switch to the other camera? Yeah, let's switch to the other camera. You got it. You got it. I made this thing. So. There we go. <laughs> all right. So I will uh, run through some of the basics really quick and then we'll get into some extra stuff. So the first thing that everybody should have in order to make a proper cocktail is Uncle oh. a jigger, <laughs> right? Something to measure with. You don't have to actually use a jigger, but I like to use jiggers because I'm a bartender. And so a lot of bartenders do things like this. You can buy all types of jiggers. Uh, people all around the bartenders all around the world like to collect different jiggers. Um, I've been to uh, a lot of bar shows around the world and I find all types of fun, new, crazy jiggers and I end up losing them or giving them to other bartenders and stuff. But these are the basics. So this is a, this is a Japanese style jigger here. You have two ounces uh, for talking US measurement and then we have one ounce and then inside there are little grooves for you to measure exactly what you want so you can follow across the recipe. So we got one ounce and then the big side is always double. Uh, and then this is called a bell jigger. And really, people with really big hands don't necessarily like to use this one because it's kind of slim fitting. Uh, I like to use both of them. I'm interchangeable. It really depends on what I'm doing. If I'm doing a lot of different mini measurements, I'll use this guy right here because it's a little bit easier to wield. If I'm just pouring big shots of stuff in the glasses really quick, I like to use this guy right here. And they're pretty. They're beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the other next really important thing that everybody should have at home is a juicer. Yes. Right? Mm. Uh, part of juicing is not just to get the actual liquid out of the juice, but it's also to get the oils out of the juice. Now, this is a more traditional juicer right here, this reamer, uh, where you just kind of stick it into the, the citrus fruit and you turn and twist. That's fine, you're gonna get a lot of pulp and stuff, but you're not gonna get as much oils. So by pressing down on the skin, you're releasing a lot of those oils as well. It's really important. If you have an automatic juicer, like we do in a professional bar, that's even better because that friction from the rotor rotating, rotating, it'll make your, the difference is your lime juice at home will look a little opaque and almost whitish, uh, and your uh, lime juice in a professional restaurant looks actually green because those green oils are uh, being siphoned off of the fruit. The next most important tool that everyone should have at home is cocktail tins, right? You don't need a fancy crystal Yari mixing glass. You just need a tin. You can stir in this one, you can stir in this one. Uh, you got a short one, you got a tall one. They go in like this. You hit it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, pop it out, and then you do your dance, right? They're really actually cheap. I think you can get these for as cheap as like 10 bucks or something. Mm -hmm. um, but you want to be careful. If you're ordering online, you want to make sure that it's a set that goes together. A lot of places are lazy. And believe it or not, when you order two different ones, not all two tins fit together. So sometimes it'll just not go all the way in and then you're stuck with two unfitting tins and you got to order more. This is why a lot of bars and restaurants have a crazy amount of crap <laughs> laying around because things don't match. Very true. You need a strainer. This is called a Hawthorne strainer. Um, this is a lesser version of the really cool one that Jeremy had, uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, it does the same thing. Uh, it sits right on top of your tin, like so. These springs keep it in place, and then you can pour through the, uh, the holes inside of the top of this right here, right? It gives you a nice clean pour, keeping most of the ice out. You might get a little residual ice chips, but then what you do, and this is the tool that separates all home bartenders, right? Just like home chefs from uh, Emerald Agassi or Thomas Keller is this fine mesh strainer right here. It's called a double strainer, right? So what this is going to do is catch anything that the Hawthorne strainer does not catch. And so this is the motion right here. Uh, since we're talking about martinis, uh, if you like your Vespers or you like anything that's shaken by way of martini world, uh, you're mm -hmm. going to want uh, a fine strainer because most people don't like ice crystals floating around their martinis. I like them in margaritas and stuff, uh, but not necessarily in my martinis. Uh, so this is the motion here for this guy. So these are also really cheap. You can get these just about anywhere. Alibaba, if you're going to buy in bulk, 
Um, Amazon's pretty way down right now, but these will probably run you about 10 bucks uh, for a basic one. If you want something flashy and shiny like this one, uh, hit up one of your brand ambassadors. It's the best way to do it. <laughs> Good point. And, uh, absolute licks. <laughs> peelers. These are the cheapest peelers in the world. They run about three, four dollars inside of a restaurant supply store, or you can buy them online. Uh, they work for a lifetime, and then you just throw them in the garbage and get a new one when they break. Uh, this is going to be a double blade, uh, it's a double edge right here, so it peels. Uh, super fast, uh, otherwise known as a speed peeler, uh, but this should be in your kit if you're going to properly express uh, your citrus. You're going to want a nice fat peel to get a lot of those oils in there and then express your citrus into your drink. Let's see, and the last, the last tool that you should have is this mixing glass here. This is a crystal Yari. Uh, Yari spelled Y-A-I-R-A, -A. is that right? Um, and this is just a beautiful heavy bottomed mixing glass right here. It's going to retain the temperature. It's got enough volume to fill up the ice. So the, the, the purpose of stirring your drinks is to dilute while chilling at the same time. So when you're done chilling, your dilution is perfect. And a nice large vessel like this is going to give you the space and the density of the vessel to maintain the temperature without it going away. If you're going to stir in something like this, you got to be really careful not to keep your hands on it because what, you, what you're doing is essentially heating up the drink and you're working against yourself. Things might dilute too fast in this. Maybe that's a good time to talk about weighted shakers, that that's an option too, the weighted tins. Yeah, um, definitely go with weighted when you can. And what Sailor means by weighted is she means the bottom of the tin, I don't know if my camera's good enough for you to see this, there's a little secondary cup. So this larger, this larger cup tin fits inside of this smaller weighted piece, right? And that's just gonna give you a lot more momentum. It's also gonna help insulate uh, your temperature inside of your cocktail as well. Am I forgetting anything there, Sailor? As far as so if you're clumsy like me, you all, I also tend to knock those over less. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, they, they definitely sit, sit a little better. Yeah, yeah, especially mm -hmm. if you've got a million things going on. But if you don't have the glass, too, and you had to use your tin to, to stir, I think. To stir. Yeah, that's helpful, too, until you get your glass. So, Gideon, what, I do have one other question. There's one tool that I personally think you forgot. What do you think about the julep strainer? Ah, the julep strainer. You know what? I, I don't uh, have a julep strainer at home, but at work I do. When I am bartending professionally, I keep a few julep strainers. I think they're nice, especially when you're doing a lot of cocktails and you come out of your Hawthorne strainer. Um, I also use it for espuma and foam and um, for spheres and a bunch of different other kind of um, methodical processes. But I think- Does anyone have one at home that they can show in? I'm I'm on my I have two of them up on my screen. Oh, dope. Okay. So I have. Hang on one second. One second. I need to flip the. Hang on one second. There we go. Hey. Oh, fabulous. Two of them. This one uh, fits like classically. Uh, Yari. So this will fit in right at the top, and then you use your finger to hold it in place. Or there's a classic one where it's less effort, so your finger's not all the way out. Do you guys want to explain why the, so, because we explained the Hawthorne and the basket strainer and the double strainer, how about explaining why the julep strainer? Well, the julep strainer was originally used for a cocktail specifically, the mint julep, because when it was made, you wanted to keep the ice away from your teeth because it, uh, there's issues with uh, dental hygiene, and so <laughs> ice affects your teeth a lot more than it traditionally. Wasn't it pre-straw too? Didn't the strainer kind of? It was. Have it was also to keep the mint, the little mint leaves from not. Excuse me, I read aloud from well. Imbibe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next season, next episode. <laughs> yeah, but it was pre-straw, and, and then the the mint chunks as well. What we can see here is when you're stirring a cocktail, generally you're not going to break the ice. So it's going to stay a lot larger pieces. Mm -hmm. So this will just hold back the ice as you're pouring it. And the way most uh, like Yaris are designed, there's like a little bit of lip for this pour spout. So I can hold this in place with one finger if I'm pushing up and then you'll hold back as you're pouring. 
I will say for a home bartender, though, a Hawthorne strainer is going to do everything you need it to do. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. If you're not. Yeah. Yeah. So so if you if you were going to save some some bucks and just get the one and just replace the one when you needed to replace it, a Hawthorne strainer is going to going to really function the way you need it to function for all drinks, be it in a mixing glass or in a in a shaker tin. And also for the the um, for a mixing glass, you know, we we have we all last week I had a couple of different um, mixing glasses I was using, all with the pour spout. But if you really don't want to get one and you have a pine glass, that's also mm -hmm. going to suffice. Yeah, home bar yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I talked about it uh, earlier in the first episode. It's like you don't need any of that. You can use no. uh, a Nalgene bottle. You can use a uh, Tupperware. I shook in a Tupperware. I was yeah. gonna text you. I shook in a Tupperware last night. I was like, please, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> does, does anybody have two pint glasses and do the old school two pint glass method without the strainer? Oh, if you're I old enough to know that. Oh yeah, because how many bars did you work at that did not have strainers? So many. Oh, well, Xander, actually, I was very proud of you, Xander, because he 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 learned to bartend at one of the best bars in Boston, but yeah, he like demoed on his cocktail video like how to break the egg or whatever, mm -hmm. like the oh, yeah, break the seal. Instead of using a strainer, if you come out, you break together. Oh. It's the only way in the 90s, late 90s. You can also, you can, there was the other way too that you put one pint glass in. Oh, one. Yes. Oh, I hate, you know I hate what I'm talking about? Yes. I hate yes. Yes. Do that. That's how I was that, taught. That was the latest way. Yeah. Don't worry about the, the, the dirty end of this thing. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I said, exactly. don't worry about the coronavirus in your <laughs> shaker. Everything's yes. fine. Let's lick everything. Yeah, it's it'll totally be, fine. It'll be great. Oh, the 90s. Oh, God. Oh, yes. Xander, will you talk about those? It pours so slow. Hold on, let me so spot. that's that's called a cobbler shaker versus a, the the tins are just tins, but the historical reference of the tins to uh, uh, like a mixing glass that fits into a shaker is a Boston shaker. I don't know if you guys can see or care, but Xander has what's called a julep, right? Julep shaker. Cobbler shaker. Cobbler shaker. Sorry. So this just espresso like martinis going in my head. Built into the top, <laughs> essentially, and then you just put the cap on top. And you can shake it all in one device. And then right. from the top by just removing the cap. And I, I thought, is that a precursor to the Boston Shaker? I think it is. I actually don't know. Excuse I, me while I read to you all from Imbibe. That's no, the next I, time. I, think, I think it is. <laughs> we but need to invite David one good time. The, that's the most common <laughs> cocktail shaker for at home as well. Yeah. Yeah. Most people oh, have cobblers. Because William but, Sonoma sells them yeah. and they look everybody. Uh, they look yeah. beautiful. Like and I think they come they're in so little, cute. I hate them. I love them, the way a cocktail sounds. I hate them. What's that? What is this? Is it the future or the past? Shout out to uh, another whiskey company, uh, Monkey Shoulder. They actually were able to buy the patent for this and revive it. This is an old school device they used to mix uh, tiki cocktails. Because what you could do is, take out the top, has a built-in, like the cobbler shaker, but it can fit like 10 cocktails in here. And what you do is dump it in, uh, jump it in with, uh, uh, pebble ice or cracked ice and what you do is both of these spoons or both these things twist oh my god i love that it's called an old school tumbler shaker you can't use it to shake normal cocktails because if you spin too quickly the centrifugal force will just throw all the liquid to either end you're purposely doing it slowly to have it tumble over and then you can combine like 10 different cocktails do you know what era that was from originally, or it might not matter? Uh, it's the early ages of like Tiki, so I think like so Koreans, forty Korean War or World War Two, yeah, Korean, like, Korean probably like fifties, probably the earliest. It's looking pretty Don Draper's visit to the Tiki Bar to me, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, we have that idea of that space age look, but I mean, that really didn't hit pop culture until the late fifties, early sixties. But yeah. Tiki, I mean, Tiki time starts in. And World War II, you know, Pearl Harbor, Korean War is when Tiki really comes to light. So, which will, um, oh, the Tiki episode, I can't wait for that. You guys want to kick it up a notch really quick? Yeah, do it. Right. So, we do. Step up your home bartending game. You got to think about making a few more illustrious cocktails. 
you're shaking egg whites. This is a pretty basic tool right here that always oh, yeah. gets lost, but everybody has them. They come equipped with, uh, they come inside of uh, the protein the protein shakers. shakers. Yeah. Yeah. Or may exactly. I just add, they also, you can also take the strainer off of your Hearthorn strainer. That is yep. true. Show them that. Yep. Yeah. So this guy right here, I don't know if you got you, you, what view you're on right here, but this. You're spotlighted. Okay, cool. This slips right off like this, and then you drop that into your tin, and you can shake away. Helps aerate and get a bigger, bigger head uh, on the phone. The other one that's really cool is this guy right here. I don't use any of these anymore. This is why I can still show you this. It just stays in the drawer. Yep. Mm -hmm. I use my little uh, aerating tool right here. Those things are life. Oh. Life. <laughs> so these are for uh, these are for this is for a coffee set, part of a coffee set, uh, traditionally made for like creaming and, and mixing thick viscous liquids out of. It makes the most beautiful. I used that for every foamy cocktail in our calendar. Yep. Yeah. Save, I it love saved that. my life. <laughs> so it's really good for visual. It's just great to, if you want that nice stiff foam, I mean, be careful though with it actually. If you go too far, you're going to have like meringue or butter or something. That's going to ask like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Using something like that at home, like let's say how many seconds would you um, use that? Oh, you would do it for a uh, consistency, to, so it's a sight. So you take a look at it. You're looking literally inside of your tin, right? And you're, you're looking at it. And as soon as it gets to your desired viscosity level, your thickness, that's when you're done. Uh, they're not very expensive. I think this was about, it's probably less than 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll never have to dry shake or debate with somebody on what the proper mm, technique is. Yes. Dry shake or is it a <laughs> shake? It's a, yeah. no, it's a this. Wait, so let me ask you a question. So you would use that, would you use that in a bar and at home? Or are you Absolutely. recommending for home? Bar? Yeah, okay, so you can. In yeah. any case, yeah. off you go. Yeah. Buy these for every okay. every bar project I'm on. I make sure every bartender that's so, working on the yeah. project has one of these for sure. It gives you such, also what's great about that too is um, for infusing your foam. Like I like to do salty foams. Mm. It's a beautiful way to do that to make sure that you have actually incorporated it all and you're not going to have like a chunk of something and you know it's not consistent mm -hmm. so should be any kind of like meringue top for it's my last magic tool. trick every home Ooh. bar should have one of these it's just a basic lunch pail style cooler right here this is how we get this Lock eyes. Right? yeah oh are you gonna show show us show us <laughs> everything <laughs> yeah i mean i could show oh, you go. so what you, you can... get is this. Am I in the wrong view, Gideon? Which ice, one? Well, okay. Okay. You get a little clear ice cube by doing this. And this is how you I make had, clear ice at home. And it's pandemic proof because you got water. Mm. As long as you got water, you can make this in your freezer. <laughs> For <laughs> now. This is one that I, uh, I had a bunch laying in the, I, I kind of build them ahead of time, but I had this one laying around in the freezer. And what happens is through directional freezing, you see, let's see, can you see? There's yeah, a, a layer of cloudy. Yeah, mm -hmm. a cloudy. So basically what this does is this insulates all the way around 360 except for the top. And heat rises and cold drops. So it pushes all the impurities to the bottom. And then right before it's completely frozen as a block, you take it, turn it upside down, dump out the excess water, and then you're left with a nice slab of clear ice. So I let this one go a little bit too far. You can see it's a little cloudy right here. I'm just going to chip that off with this uh, serrated knife a little bit later. Uh, this... And I cut my cubes and I'm ready to go. I love that. So we're going to have to have you guys on for like a second. I would love to have um, clear ice and ice cutting be a conversation for a second, a, a different episode because there's certainly a lot and it's not for the faint of heart, I don't think, to like approach a big block of ice with a huge knife. But I think um, I would it. like to see, yeah. Gideon, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. So I yes. wanted to ask you, do you think that you're, <laughs> you have to be here every Thursday. So. <laughs> no, but, um, but do you think that your, um, your background uh, as a chef and in the kitchen has informed your experience as a bartender and on the bar? Absolutely. Uh, the transition from, you know, working a line and working in the kitchen and doing production to working the bar was almost easier, except there was mm. less room for error. You know, if you're, you're, hmm. you're cooking, you can mess up and then save your recipe. 
you don't have okay. very many margins in cocktail work, right? Interesting. So if you yeah. Mess up your cocktail. It's one to fix it. You're going to be over volume and you're going to be wasting, and then you're not making money or, you know, you're wasting your liquids. Uh, and you know, it, you can always mask something as a chef. I was thinking being a chef and creating is like picking a direction and going with the wind, right? Whatever's hmm. there, whatever's bountiful. Working behind the bar is more exact. You Interesting. Know? You have to be very exact um, to get those the proper balance of everything together. Uh, and then as far as the actual work itself, it, it translates the same, you know? Your dishwashers keep you stocked and your prep guys keep you stocked just like your, your bussers keep you stocked and you're going to war and you're battling and you know, it's all, it's all the same big happy family for sure. I love that. Yeah. So we have a question um, from a guest that I just want to make sure we answer before we wrap up. Um, and every, she wanted to know what is everyone drinking tonight? What's in their glass if you're not drinking an espresso martini? And if you are, what kind of espresso martini since okay. we've established that? Round Robin. So Jeremy, what are you drinking in addition to the cocktail that you made or are you not? Well, I was drinking the cocktail that I made. <laughs> and it's gone. <laughs> Bottoms up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to pick from Calvin's? You know, yeah, maybe Calvin's. Hey, Calvin. you know, back there, there's, uh, <laughs> or maybe I'll open a little bit of the 1856 and have a nightcap. Real, like real expensive. Okay. I know. <laughs> Let's take take us back years. there, won't I you? Know. That's good See, for our maybe after hours. hours. Yes, after hours. <laughs> uh, just don't tell Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> If he's not here, he won't know. <laughs> oh, he's still with us. <laughs> so yeah, he is. So so this is. Hi, Calvin. Love you. <laughs> oh yeah, we want this a closer is... look at that. <laughs> yeah, it's like a real live liquor room. Yes. Oh oh <laughs> like yeah. A regular person. I, I've, like I've a, worked like at plenty bar. of bars that have not had this selection. Indeed, indeed, mm. and it's I is that lit shelving? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all it's all backlit, temperature controlled. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I helped Calvin. I'm getting a little teared bit. up here. Oh. I know, Sailor. You have to come <laughs> right? out. We have to go. We all have to go, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> come out. I know. Everybody's invited, Calvin. We're coming. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Calvin. I can I can honestly say Calvin is is a gracious host, and I'm sure he would have as many people as he could. <laughs> He's the best. <laughs> hmm. And then we're going to finish everyone else's drinks, if anyone else wasn't drinking an uh, espresso martini. Oh, um, I had well. yeah, an espresso martini. Chastity, what did you make? You used Kahlua, Uncle Nerest, and... No, no Kahlua. No? Um, so I used... Oh, Frangelico? I'll tell you. I use, yeah, you see Frangelico. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the main, uh, one of the main ingredients. So yesterday on Whiskey, uh, Wednesday Whiskey, Whiskey Wednesday Live, sorry. <laughs> I know it's. Uh, we know we, we featured Kings County, and so Ooh. they have a chocolate whiskey. Ooh, that's right. So uh, I use equal parts of Uncle Nearest and the chocolate whiskey. Um, I did um, a half ounce of Frangelico, which is hazelnut liqueur. Mm. And I did about three fourths of oat milk mm. and a quarter ounce of simple syrup. I love that. Will you Yum. post that to your Instagram too, um, yeah, or Facebook course. or something? I have a friend who's a vegan who loves espresso martinis, and he just became vegan. So we're gonna. Well, this question was asked earlier as well. We're gonna post all of the recipes we talked about tonight on the Uncle Nearest Facebook page when we post this video. So I'll collect that from you guys, and then um, they asked for a list of the bar tools that were mentioned also. So we'll just type up a little list as well. Do our homework. Made yeah. a fun <laughs> on a uh, Boulevardier. So Ooh. I did a. It was 1856, uh, one part, then half part Campari and half part coffee, and then one part sweet vermouth. So it was kind of nice, nice, the same Campari in the coffee is a nice bittering agent, but it had this nice kind of richness to it with 1856. Oh, I love that. Nice. Um, I did, I, my first drink was a Black Manhattan with Uncle Nearest, 1884, and Averna um, with some just Ango. And then I, <laughs> I put cool swan in my drink <laughs> for the request of Instagram. And I did not actually, and I use Borghetti espresso liqueur, which is delicious. What I've done. Cool swan? Uh, cool swan is like a fancy Bailey's or whatever. Oh, okay. it's, I think it's like Bailey's without all the chemicals. It's really, yeah. really, really good. 
Um, but I, I just did that and I did Borghetti espresso liqueur. I used to work for this company, so I know that it's only espresso and neutral spirit and sugar that go into this. So if you do Uncle Nearest and Cafe Borghetti, like you can get that foam and it's delicious, but like Cool Swan was too much for it, but I drank it anyway. <laughs> so. I basically had a white Russian with Uncle Nearest. <laughs> I don't judge you. I, all of that is fine. <laughs> Um, I was, I, I took, I, I traveled the path less, uh, less meandered today, but uh, my first drink was, uh, I still haven't unpacked everything and, and I'm not moving around so great right now because I kind of busted my knee. So my first drink was just Uncle Nearest, a half ounce of Angostura and a little bit of, of uh, Demerara syrup. Yeah. That's what I drank. Trinidad sour. Very good. Easy, yeah, I felt like I needed to be punished, so I just <laughs> <laughs> so I just really That's went. punishment. <laughs> and getting you were drinking Jeremy's cocktail, right? I was drinking Jeremy's cocktail with a Gideon Scotch coffee liqueur, Bill's coffee liqueur. Love it. Delicious. Amazing. Well, I don't do the espresso martini, so I'm drinking a sake highball. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's my birthday, my birthday sake, and it's yes, in, happy birthday. It's in the glory, so I like the unfiltered stuff. Ooh, so nice. happy birthday, yeah. happy birthday, Taylor. We <laughs> also have to say happy birthday to Weena, right? Yes, Aunt Weena. Yes, happy Aunt birthday, Weena. Aunt Weena. Happy birthday, girl. <laughs> <laughs> well. If that's all we have tonight, so thank you so much for joining us in Uncle Nearest Cocktail Club. Um, special thank you, Jeremy, at MV Bartender. Um, anybody else who's still watching, you can tip him at MV Bartender on Venmo. I just posted it as well. Awesome. Gideon, thank you for showing us the ropes with your bar tools. And he's Absolutely. at Real Scuba Chef. Yeah. So if you have any questions, you can just direct message him. <laughs> And yeah, Haley, <laughs> Haley has asked us to remember that, uh, to remind everyone that we have a challenge going on right now. Um, oh. And it's our move with me dance challenge. So that's hashtag move with me. And I'm going to go ahead and post that in the chat. Check out our latest Instagram posts on Uncle Nearest and on Facebook. And you will begin to see all of us repost that as well. Um, so maybe we can just take a quick minute and explain what we were forced to do and by forced. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean forced, I, but, I, um, you know, in, can we this, play it? This Jeremy, is, you're lined up. I, I, <laughs> you're going to get tagged. We don't have that technology <laughs> yet, but um, I'll figure that out for the next one. Um, but in, you know, this can be, a, this, this is a dark time, of course, and we never want to um we we never want to seem like we're not paying attention to that but we are what we are trying to do is give um everyone a moment away from that just a moment of of happiness of distraction something a little different um and that's really what uncle nearest tries to do every day right we're all about legacy and shining the light on on things that uh need the light and uh so our amazing founder and ceo had this brilliant idea <laughs> And we were all, let's, let's just be honest here. We're all a little like, no, I don't, I think it was a resounding no. So she said, um, we're, we're gonna have, send you guys a song and we want you to dance to it. And we were like, what? Four minutes of dancing. Well, right? That was painful. And where everybody was like, I, myself and um, Haley Brown, who is our amazing social media goddess, we were tasked with asking everybody, polling it. And it didn't matter. Was we like, were going to do it anyway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody, we ended up having fun with it. So much um, fun. Everybody did an incredible job. And so uh, our one of our incredible brand ambassadors, um, Mac, he put it together for us as a video. And uh, it is... I laughed, I screamed, I jumped, I laughed again, I was dancing along, I was <laughs> lip syncing along. Um, uh, I, I don't want to mispronounce your name. Kanika, I hope I'm saying it right, Carlton says, y'all were so cute, I loved it. 
Thank Aww. you. Okay, did I say her name? Yeah, you did. Okay, Kanika. Good. Good, good. I agree, Kanika. We are all very cute. It <laughs> <laughs> I feel well, called out. I only did a half second of my entire dancing, so apparently I'm not a good dancer. <laughs> I don't think it was, I think it was about what he could fit in there um, since there's so many of us. <laughs> don't, you, don't you fret. There was some, but for us, you know, we're all in different locations and in different cities and states, so we don't necessarily get to know each other really, really well, or you, you don't know what someone, how someone's going to react when they're tasked with this, so there was a lot of surprises in there that I thought were really funny. <laughs> um, so if you would please um, check that video out, and um, it's hashtag Motown with me. And uh, what we want you to do is we want you to pick your favorite Motown song and do a little video to it and tag us and five friends and use that hashtag and you guys, the prize. The so prize. if this yes. wasn't cool enough, just that it's going to go viral and it's something fun and happy and, uh, but there's a prize. We're going to, we're going to pick the best and um you get two free nights for two people to come to our beautiful distillery all expenses paid i mean awesome wow that's incredible i can't wait to see your moves and also one of the cool things is that um one of the songs in the video is called Keep on Truckin' and not the uh, Grateful Dead song, thank God. Uh, sorry, not a Dead fan. Um, is, it was actually written and uh, produced by Fawn's father. So. I thought, yeah, I think, it's oh, couple, I think cool. of most of the songs in the He video. had a hand in every single song in the video. That's yeah. how we're able to use them. So. Which is so, oh. Super cool. Yeah, he was a Motown man. <laughs> so, so special. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, he was a musician and, uh, yeah. Motown a hitmaker. Yes. So look for our Uncle Nearest page, mm -hmm. guys, to find out um, yes. how to. Yeah, yeah. get involved. Join us. Facebook and Instagram. And that's it. So drink honorably, friends. Drink honorably. And thank you for joining us. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. See you next time. This is a Spirit of Rock Network show. To check out all of our shows, visit spiritofrockpods.com. That's spiritofrockpods with an S.com. Thanks for listening.